Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I appreciate you being with me today. My smart person today is Stephen Short. He is from Ireland, so um, he's got a whole unique perspective there, and I'll give you a sneak preview but he's got a great accent that goes with it and even if he shares nothing of interest i could listen to him talk all day but i know that he will uh, so glad to have him here steven has spent his entire adult life and most of his childhood working in his two family businesses so he knows the ups and downs of successfully transitioning between generations we are going to talk about that exact thing kind of how you have a family business that doesn't destroy your family and or that your family doesn't destroy the business. So, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, delighted to be here. No doubt about it. So let's start here. Talk to me a little bit about those family businesses. Talk to me about kind of your backstory and how you got to where you are today, please. Sure. So um, I, as I said, I've grown up in two family businesses. We had uh, our longest family business was the current business, which I'm running now, which is uh, career guidance, psychometric personality profiling, aptitude skills. So we do career guidance and helping uh, selection for helping companies select the right people. Um, the other business was an English language school. So ESL, English as a second language, we would welcome students from 50 countries around the world every year to Dublin to improve their international communication skills. Uh, and that was the one that was more attractive to me when I was younger. It gave me the opportunity to travel around the world, meet loads of interesting people, uh, work in a really dynamic, um, fast-paced international environment. Uh, and also allowed me to to meet my Spanish wife. So uh, did did a lot for me. Uh, but then a couple of years ago, I kind of sat down and really took stock, uh, had a look at my why, my core purpose, and starting to figure out that I'd really done everything that I wanted to do and everything that I felt I could do well in the language travel industry. And it was time to, to move on to something else. Uh, I'd taken a lot. I'd been working kind of part-time, I suppose, in the other family business, the psychometrics, the personality profiling, the career guidance, uh, and felt that that's really um, more aligned with my why. And the, the language travel business really wasn't feeding that for me anymore. Uh, so that's when we decided time to sell the third child of the family. Um, and uh, so the team were able to, to join a, a bigger organization who were looking to expand and looking to, to do more things in the industry than I was looking to do. And we focused and I focused exclusively on this business. Okay. T talk to me a little bit about that, because I, I want to focus on a phrase that you said, you, you talked about the third child in the family. And yeah. I, you know, I would imagine that you know, this is your baby, right? This is, you've seen this thing grow. You've seen this, this has been a part of your life and a part of your family for a really long time. You don't just sell one of your children. You don't just let them go to, uh, you know, I, I, can you talk a little bit about the decision-making process that, how did everybody arrive on the same page? Because I mean, for you, you're, you're saying, I realized where I was, I had reached my, reached my potential but how did that go over with the rest of the folks in the family? Yeah, so that was, I arrived at that page a lot sooner than everybody else in the family arrived at that page. Um, 
I suppose, I mean, I had done a lot of soul searching. I'm involved in an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization, uh, EO. So we actually do a lot of um, peer-to-peer learning and peer-to-peer experience sharing. So I'd spent a lot of time kind of figuring out what did I want to be spending my time doing. Um, I would have been kind of in late late 30s. I think I was about 39, I suppose, but in the year that we went to Spain. I came, yeah, I came back for my 40th birthday, so it was 39. Figuring out kind of what I want to do. I've been doing this for 20 years now, um, working it basically on a full-time basis uh, in the family business. I bought the business maybe 10 years before that. Um, I was driving it for, for years. Um, and I was really looking at where the industry was, what was coming down the line. And now, obviously, no idea that COVID was coming down the line. But as it happened, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about was accelerated by COVID in terms of online learning, in terms of on the kind of price pressures and people almost in a, in a bit of a, a race to the bottom. Um, really fantastic people in the industry, but the only way to, to really, for a company our size, because we were at the bigger end of the business with only one center. So mm. the next step was for us to open up another place in, in London, in New York, in Sydney, and like to have this become a chain. And that wasn't for me. That wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Um, so it took, I'd say it took a good six to nine months to get the folks on board, even though technically I owned it. It's still a family business. You can't just walk in and go, hey, you know that thing that you put blood, sweat and tears into and uh, I took over it. Yeah, well, I've just thrown it away or whatever. Right. Um, so it took a lot of really open and honest conversations about, look, this is where we, this is where we were. This is where we are. This is where it's going, but it's not where I'm going, and it's not where we want to go. Like we want to focus on these other things. Um, so it took it took a while uh, to get it sorted, to get the um, to get the buy-in from everybody. Um, but it was, I mean, it was the right decision at the right time. Uh, in hindsight, okay. I, I want to kind of key on something that you said. You were talking about two purposes, right? You were talking about the purpose. Uh, your own personal purpose and kind of what what was what you were doing and then you were talking about the purpose of the business can you talk a little bit about that concept of making sure that like how do you how do you figure out what your purpose is how do you remind yourself of what the purpose of the business is and then how do you have the self awareness to kind of work through making sure those two things still match uh, there, Sorry, that's a really, there's a lot of questions in yeah, there. There's, there's, there's a lot in that, but it's actually a really, really important thing for, for entrepreneurs to, to have that self-awareness, I think. Um, so when I left college, I went and I worked in New York for a while. I, went, I worked at another language school to get some experience and I came back. And I actually have in one of my folders here, the very first meeting that I kind of called, uh, or I called, that I was at, and the first question is, why do we do what we do? And I still have that. So mm. why are we doing what we're doing? There are millions of ways we can make money, both legally and otherwise in this world. Why are we choosing to do this every day? Um, and for me, it was, ne- it, it couldn't, the answer couldn't be just to make money. Like there had to be, there's, there's so many ways to make money. Why are we choosing to do it this way? And it was, I, I kind of struggled with this and I, I didn't put in the right amount of time into it. And I kind of came up with half answers and accepted that for a long time. Uh, and then when I obviously I saw Simon Sinek's video start with why it really resonated with me, I spent a lot of time reading the book, going through, following him on on 
his talks and things. Um, and then when we were in Spain for that year, uh, I had a lot of time to, to really figure it out. And I talked with mentors and I talked with colleagues and I talked with friends and it crystallized into this whole idea of when I'm in my flow, when I'm in what I do best and what I'm really passionate about, what I get energy out of is helping other people to aspire to a better future and then empowering them to get there. So aspire and empower. When we were in the language business for many, many years, that was actually true. Like without knowing my why, that was what I enjoyed about it because I could see that people were coming to do these courses to get a better job, to get a better, get a promotion, to improve their lives. And they could see the difference that that international communication skill was having in their lives. It was becoming less and less like that. It was becoming a bit more, people are coming on working holidays. People are coming to do a course because they have to, because they're also working. Um, they were com not complaining about the price, but they, it was really kind of not seeing the value as much in what they were getting. And that was what was killing my soul without me knowing being able to articulate that's why it was um so in the current business so we've been around for 40 years now um but we're the way that i describe it with the team is like we're, we're like a startup that's got a lot of history we're really refocusing on what we're doing we're pivoting the purpose of the business um to have a lot more uh, digital stuff to have more productization of some of the services we offer to really think about doing things in a different way what we already do, but making it more addressable to the modern market. Um, and it all starts with this Aspire and Empower, and it's actually on our website. This is the goal for any one of our products, any one of our, all of the services we offer. It's all about either helping people to aspire to a better future or helping companies aspire to a better future and then empowering them to get there through tra training, coaching, and education. If it doesn't fulfill one of those two things, I don't really want to be involved in it because it doesn't, it, it's not where I would add the most value to it and it's not where I would get the most from it. So I'm not a fit. Okay. So let me, let me ask this then. Okay. Cause you're talking about when you're in your flow and, um, okay. I'm really stupid. I just said you're in flow and it made me <laughs> laugh. And, uh, so uh, my apologies for that to everyone. Right. That, uh, so, uh, I think that inside every male, there's like a 14-year-old boy. When they hear things like that, they just giggle. They're like, oh, I can't believe what I just mm -hmm. said. So I, when, when you are in your flow, you're talking about, um, you know, empowering people. And you're talking about what works for you. How does the family business pick who gets to make that vision or who gets to set that course? Because, you know, you've got the, you've got, I'm assuming other people in the family who are also part of it. What's the, what's the deciding factor as to who, who do you pick to kind of be the, the de facto leader or whose vision are you following? So in my case and my sister, it's only my sister and myself. My sister's not really involved in business. She's on board of directors and owner and all the rest of it, but she's not actively involved in the business. So there was, that wasn't an issue. For me, so I've built this thing of the five P's of successful succession. Um, the first P being the purpose. What are we here to do? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? And then the second P is pick who is the right person to see us through. Now, whether that's seeing us through today or for the next five years, or whether that's somebody for the next 20 years, depending on what the purpose of the, the, the company, the organization is. In family businesses, a lot of the time, though, the purpose and the pick 
the pick might have already happened. So it might be, I mean, you in Ireland, we used to have it all the times, like O'Brien and Sons Limited or O'Brien and Son Limited. So, I mean, you had no choice. You were joining the family business from, from the day you were born. You were, your job was to take over the family business. So the pick might have already happened. Um, so, it, I mean, there's a lot of conversation about this. So, I, I mean, obviously, I had conversations with my folks about this and I had conversations with uh, colleagues about this to, to kind of see this is the direction of the business. Now, there is an awful lot of this that uh, comes back to, to values, and the values are the company values that are instilled by the, the heads and the, the founders and how the, the company grows. We actually just did an example. Of, we did an exercise to find our our core company values, um, mm. and we did this exercise. And as it happens, and what was really um, I thought was very gratifying for me, so we had uh, three people who've been working in this business, in this psychometrics business, uh, one for twenty five years, one for twenty years, and another for four years. And actually, I have another colleague who used to work with me in the language school business for. I think 12, 14 years or something like that. And he's just joined this business again. So he has experience of how that business culture was. And the other people have experience of how this business culture was. There was no overlap other than the fact that the short families, the short family owned and ran the two businesses. There was no overlap in um, personnel. There was no overlap in market or anything like that. But the core values that we arrived at could have been the core values of either business because mm. they were kind of drilled in. And this is what we as the, what our core values in the family are that we built our businesses around those shared values. And we obviously we brought people in and we rewarded people and we kept people who shared those values because that's how we wanted to do business. Okay. So you've, you've given the, or you have five P's. Okay. Yes. And, um, so we talked we're a little not, bit about... We're still not talking about urine flow here. We're oh, talking about we're, the letter no. P. So. <laughs> that's, that's the sixth P, and it, we'll just... Uh, oh, good. Um, yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit about purpose, and we talked a, lit, a little bit about pick. Um, and is there... from You've got the psychometrics side of things, okay? And is that something that families are willing to look at, or is that something that families... Uh, should I mean I would imagine it's something that families should think about because when you're looking at who is where are we going from here or who are we going to you know choose as the next leader of this uh, sometimes you've got different personalities you've got uh, different perspectives you've got and, and there needs to be the, a real assessment of what are the strengths and weaknesses of each of the family members and that can I would imagine that can be some, that can bring up some very difficult conversations. Yeah. So, I mean, personality, we, we, we can always figure out, we can see like, where do we want to go? And that's fine. And we can see the hill, the BHAG, the big hairy audacious goal in 30 years time, where do we want to be? But in order to get there, the first thing that we need to know is where are we right now? Because mm. the map is useless unless you have where you're going and where you are right now, because uh, or where you start from, because otherwise you're just meandering. Um, I've had conversations with plenty of um, family businesses where, let's say, Junior, the son, is exactly the same as the father. So they're saying, well, obviously he's going to take over. He's the exact same. He's got the same personality, the same 
everything else. Like, okay, do you do business the same way as you did 20 years ago? Do you have the same policies? Do you have the same procedures? Is that really the right way to, to bulldoze us into the next 20 years? So maybe we need to just, if that's what we're saying, then okay, maybe they are the right person. Um, I have uh, friends in Spain who uh, they have, family has a, a, a tin factory. They make tins for all the fruit in the south of Spain and they, they tin and, and distribute all the fruit, a lot of the fruit in south of Spain. Um, three kids, eldest son, didn't want to be the, the leader of the business, works kind of uh, in, he's very process driven, process orientated, runs the line, runs the manufacturing side of things, has a stable kind of equivalent nine to five, home with the family, happy out, works hard, but that's what he wants to do. Uh, so then the middle child, the daughter, didn't want to join the family business, but she's um, she's a lawyer and an accountant. So she does the HR and the, the, the books side of the business doesn't want to be the head honcho. Uh, but the youngest son, he's the one that has the entrepreneurial flair, entrepreneurial spirit. So he's the one being groomed to take over, going on the business trips and doing the deals and, and things like that. So there is no set policy or set process for all this. Um, and even today with, with uh, modern families and what, what they look like, um, married, adopted, blended, all of these things, it's, it's who shares the values, who shares the, the vision. And who's the right person? And you might actually have a scenario, and I've seen this more often uh, than, I, than, than I would admit. Um, depending on what the purpose of the business is, that doesn't necessarily mean that the brother is the best person. The brother might be the best person for the next five years, but then actually the sister might be the best person to lead after that. Like once, once we get through a bit of tumultuous time, or you might have the the daughter is real uh, a real results driven or person results orientated leader and is driving towards those goals but once we get to a certain point it's all about maintaining the process and maintaining the the quality control we don't we don't necessarily need to be growing past let's say 12 million a year for a 3 million we want to grow to 12 okay let's grow let's do that but then that person is not the right person to oversee us for the next 10 years when we're just maximizing that so having those conversations about what strengths do people bring and then what stages do we need the company to be at, then we can have those conversations about who's right for now and who's right next. Okay. And I think what you just said there, again, it goes back to the, like the vision of where, where are we going? Because, you know, to start a business is one thing, but to grow a business is a different thing. And then once you've grown the business, to streamline the business or to, you know, to properly set up the processes to make it as efficient as possible is a, is a different skill set altogether. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, depending on where you are and where you see the company going, there may be the necessity to utilize different individuals who have different strengths and different skill sets. So, and- Absolutely. So I mean, if we look at, even if we look at a, not a family business, but if we look at Apple, for example, Steve Jobs was the visionary. He had, um, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, they built it, but Steve Jobs was really the face of the company, but he was only interested in the design product development, uh, the, the product design um, and, and development and being the face of the company. He was not interested in any of the rest of the stuff. That was all uh, Tim Cook. Then when Steve passed away, Tim Cook became the CEO, 
Um, Apple has never been more profitable. They haven't released any massive new groundbreaking things because they don't have that visionary still like raving lunatic at the front of the at the front of the business. But it's very stable. It's growing. It's growing steadily. And it's uh, one of the top companies in the world. So different people can have different impacts and can have, can lead at different times uh, in the history of the company. Okay. Um, so we've got like five minutes and we've got... Sorry. Uh, oh, no. You it's, gave an Irishman a microphone. I mean, and, I'm bound to talk. I, it's okay. Listen, my my middle name is McCracken. I've got Irish roots. So okay. I, we're, <laughs> we're, we're all on the same page here. It's wonderful. So... Um, We've got three P's left, and I think that you started uh, started a little bit to talk about this, but preparation. Um, yeah. How do you make sure that the next generation is ready? Can you talk about that just briefly? Yeah, so, I mean, that can be either internal training or external training. So you can get, you can go do your formal education, business management, engineering, MBA, science, whatever is focused for your business. <clears throat> but also I would advise that people come in the next generation comes in as low as possible and works their way up unless they've earned that position at another comparable company. Mm. The worst thing you can do is say, okay, well, my son just finished college. He's got an Instagram account. So therefore he's our VP of marketing. I mean, it just, it can't work like that, but I've seen people try and it just, it kills it because it, it undermines any of their authority that everyone on the team who's been working with the founder for the last 20 years looks at junior and goes, this guy's an idiot. Uh, and he, he hasn't earned his chops, or she hasn't earned her chops. Um, so spending as much time as you can preparing, coaching, developing, making sure that they understand the way it is. One of the things that I uh, advise people to do is to, to, we've all heard of this idea of a side hustle, um, a little business on the side or a little new project uh, completely removed from your day-to-day -day life or your day-to-day -day job. What I would challenge family businesses to do is develop an inside hustle. What's a new project? What's a new idea or a new offering or a tweaked offering of your current business that the next generation can come in, have a go at using the, using the resources of the business, but not putting in anything at, at any major risk um, learning the culture, learning how to run and develop a program. If it goes well, it can be reabsorbed back into the business as a new product line and they've earned their chops. If it doesn't go well, it can be, kind of quietly killed off and we can do a post-mortem, see what do we actually learn from this? Um, and those things are really vitally important. And the, there are times when the, the inside hustle will become the new main part of the business. Right. Okay. So then the next step is to, to promote, okay. To, to, as you said, kind of, you bring them in and you begin to, you let them go. Now I, I'm assuming that that's the, you know, once they've earned their chops, as you've said, you're looking at now they're being put in a position of leadership. How difficult is it for, you know, for the older generation to just say, okay, here, like, here are the keys, go drive around for a little while. Mm -hmm. I, okay. Because here's my, the analogy that I have, if we're using the keys concept, right? Uh, if I have a vintage classic car and my child turns 16 and they got their permit and they got their license yesterday. I'm not giving them the keys to my classic car to let them let that be their primary mode of transportation to to start off with because they don't have the skills yet. But when do you 
make the determination like, okay, they've got the skills. I can give them the keys to the car. So, I mean, to use that analogy, then you would actually be traveling with them in the car for the first while. So the first couple of times that you're in that car, when they get their license, you're going to be driving them, showing them, this is how you change stick. This is how you use the next, this is how you, you change gears. This is how you do the indicators. Then we're going to go, okay, well, uh, you're now going to drive and I'm going to sit in the passenger seat and I'm just going to keep an eye on what you're doing. I'm not going to panic, but remind you, okay, now remember we got to indicate here. We got a signal to go right here and then, okay, ease up, brake, accelerate. And you do that for a while. That's what the whole purpose of the prepare bit is. So we're helping our next generation to get ready until the day comes where we can say promotions like, okay, we're, we're as ready as we're going to be. I trust you. If you need anything, call me, but off you go. Because there's two meanings to the word promote. First is obviously to say, okay, I am, uh, I'm letting you do the, um, uh, I, I'm letting you run the show and I'm giving you the job and I'm allowing you to be the, the main person. The second meaning of promote though is to actually be somebody's cheerleader. So invariably in a family business, a client, a customer, a staff member will want to consult with the current generation if they don't agree with what Junior is doing. The current generation can't say to that person, oh, well, let me see what I can do because that 100% undermines anything that Junior is trying to do. That person has to be, no, 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 that's Junior's job. That's Junior's decision. Um, I, I implicit, I trust them absolutely. You might vehemently disagree with them, but that conversation has to happen behind closed doors. You have to be their biggest cheerleader and, and set them up for success. So they've been given the job, they've been allowed to do it, and then you're telling everybody publicly, yes, I trust Junior. Right. But here's the fine, just on, on this point of, of having the car, for example, the final P in, this, in the five P's of successful succession is patience because that car is going to get a ding every now and again. And the car would get a ding if you were driving it or if Junior's driving it. So stuff's going to happen. So we, we need to, to understand that this is a process. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a key to the, the whole understanding is that there are going to be ups, there are going to be downs in much the same way when, you know, as the older generation, when you were, starting the business when you were growing the business there were there were good times there were bad times and yep. um you you've got to be ready for that and you've got to patiently ride through the waves listen Stephen, thank you so much for being with me if folks want to learn more about you uh you know what's your website what's the best way to get a hold of you uh best way to get a hold of me is on uh, successfulsuccession.com um, there's details there about, uh, about me, how to contact me. If you want to have a conversation, have a chat, if there's something I can help you with, uh, some information there about my keynote, about, uh, a next entrepreneur Academy that I run for next generation entrepreneurs. Um, and we've just released a white paper free to download on, uh, anything, what you need to know if you own a family business, basically. And, and it's just uh, everything in one handy document. Excellent. I will put a link to that in the show notes to make sure that uh, folks can download that. Uh, a very valuable, very valuable piece of information for anyone who has a family business, I'm sure. All right. Uh, so thank you very much. It is now time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you, you ready for these, my friend? Okay. Let's see if I'm a robot or not. All right. <laughs> um, what is your biggest fear? Uh, biggest fear, uh, I suppose 
I mean, if we're going to go with something physical like heights, I'm terrified of heights. But since becoming a father, I suppose my biggest fear is something catastrophic happening to either of my daughters. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and me not preparing them for the world for, to be ready for it. So. Okay, I'm going to share with you right now. Okay, there are, they talk about phobia as being an irrational fear. Okay. okay. And th I don't think that there's really a, a great reason to be scared of heights. If you are a parent. If, if you fall, there's a big reason to be scared of heights. Okay. I, I understand. I, I, if you are a parent and you're not concerned about bad things happening to your kids, I, I think that's irrational. Um, okay. I, I, let yeah. me say, I'm a wheelchair user and I have a fear of edges. Okay. So when I'm okay. going down yeah, yeah. the sidewalk, I'm going to stay away from the edge of the sidewalk because I don't want to tip myself over. I don't think that's irrational. I think that is completely no. rational. Uh, so, but it, it's, it's all good. Uh, what is your favorite game or sport to watch or even to play? Uh, so my favorite sport to play is one that I actually haven't played in about three years until last week. And I've started taking it up again, which is archery. Um, so I founded an archery club here in Dublin years ago, and I've, I have regional competition, regional medals in two different disciplines, the traditional Olympic bow and the hunting bows. But now what I shoot is, uh, pure old traditional wooden bow, wooden arrows, no sights, just all instinct. Um, and really enjoying that. Um, are we going to do one of those like, um, Robin Hood, like Steven split his arrow in twain or something along those lines. Uh, so, so I actually have, a, that, that's actually called a Robin Hood to hit one arrow into another. And I've only ever done it once. Um, and it's an amazing feeling of pure I, luck. I, I, I will go the other way with that. I'll say it's an amazing display of uh, the archery talent, but so, which is good. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, last question for you. If someone is coming to visit you in Dublin, what is the what is the one food that you would say you've got to try this food it is classically irish this is and it may not be a more well-known but you would say that this is what the locals here eat well i mean if it's what the locals eat it's potatoes i mean we we have potatoes with everything um but generally something which depending on where you get it i mean we have a very international palate here in ireland uh, now lots of a variety of international dishes but when a lot of tourists come they want the traditional guinness stew um the beef gravy veggies potatoes with the guinness in the gravy um and depending on where you get it it can be very very nice excellent um, i'm assuming that the underlying piece of what you're saying is there are places where it's it's okay um, I, I would imagine it's a little bit like pizza here in the United States in where th there are places you can get, you can get pizza in a number of places and it's not, it's not ever bad, but um, some of the places just outshine the other places uh, extensively. Mm, yeah, so, the, the, there are some, there are some stews that I've had that I would classify as worse than okay. bad. But yeah. right. <laughs> Good enough. L listen, Stephen Shore, thank you very much for being with me today. You are indeed a smart person. To all my listeners, thank you for being here. And I will remind you, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.